This is Your Hell Yes Life, the podcast for sassy women on a path of self-discovery, wanting to shatter through blocks to live life on their terms. My name is Zaya B, and my mission is to help you connect with your hell yes, make brave decisions, and take action so you can have a life that lights you up. I've been helping people change for 25 years, and I'm here to support your transformation. Can you relate to this? You find yourself in a situation or a system that you thought you wanted to be part of, maybe a job or even a career, and now it feels like it's constraining you and is most definitely not a hell yes. I have been there and so is my guest, Dr. Beatrice Olson. After years of training as an endocrinologist, Beatrice found herself in a medical system that felt limited. She was only allowed to focus on symptoms and diseases and to use medicine as the primary tool. But she was intent on helping patients truly come back to health, addressing the whole person as a unique being and looking way beyond using pills as the only path. How did she follow her hell yes to help thousands of people? And how did her patients and colleagues respond to her idea? How can you follow your hell yes when you feel trapped in an impossible situation? Tune in to hear her story, her wisdom, and her tips. Before we get started, I want to extend an invitation. I really would love to talk to listeners and get to know you and your challenges and how I can help you. So please send me a DM on Instagram at Your Hell Yes Life or on Facebook, I'm Zaya B. We'll set up a time to talk. I really want to connect. Now let's jump in. Welcome, Your Hell Yes Life Trailblazer. I am so glad you are here. As you know, we celebrate women who are doing things their way. And my wonderful guest, Beatrice Olson, is definitely one of those people. She's a Western-trained endocrinologist, but also an author of a fantastic book that I highly recommend, Mind Body Secrets, where she writes about the importance of emotions, tending to your inner child, connecting with our spirit energy, things I have never heard any other MD doctor talk about besides maybe a psychiatrist. So Beatrice, you are clearly a woman who has kicked tradition to the curb. Welcome to the hell yes way of being. Thank you, Zaya. I'm so excited to be here and to share stories together. Wonderful. Just so people get a sense of you, do you have a 30-second overview of your approach to healing? Well, I look at people as in their wholeness. I think we exist as entire beings. I've moved away from a disease-centric approach, which is what conventional medicine is about and what I was trained. And instead, I look at how the problem is occurring within the larger context of a person. I use multiple techniques to bring people to their wholeness again by allowing them to empower themselves, use food as medicine, use their bodies to reawaken itself and activate innate healing energy. So that's what my work is about. The mind affects the body. The body affects the mind. Stress screws up your hormones. And tuning that system up really brings us to balance again. Wow. I could actually feel my body responding to the way you described it, that it was a coming back to wholeness just feels calming. You know, when I tell myself, oh my gosh, I have to lose weight and I have to figure out why my hair is thin and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
that's just adding stress and the body feels broken and wrong and bad instead of, oh, there are things that are just not working the way they could and we just need to get back to that optimal way of, of wholeness, like you said. And so it just feels like a beautiful, calming approach. And it actually almost feels like a beautiful, calming approach to your hell yes life as well. So instead of saying, oh, I should have said yes this time, it's like you are where you are every day. Just keep coming back to yourself. That's it. Just be gentle with yourself and keep coming back to yourself. Keep coming back to your yes, whatever feels right for you. And that's your hell yes. I feel maybe we can just wrap it up now. We've got it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. To create your hell yes life, you need to make bold, brave decisions. You need to know what is right for you and then act on it. And there are small decisions every day. What should I eat? What should I do? Who should I connect with? All of those things. And then there are those big decisions that are going to shift our life path. So I want to dive into your hell yes decision, Beatrice. Was there one big moment where you said, this is it, I cannot do this old way anymore? Or were there little things over time that built up until you finally just ultimately needed to shift into something different? Well, that's a very good question. And I think in life, we have we have different horizons that we jump into given what the environment is about. So I, I have to say that I have made a number of pretty major decisions in my life. But having to do with medicine, the first one came after I had trained as an endocrinologist. I had done research at the National Institutes of Health. I had published multiple papers and we had a life-changing event where my life shifted from staying within the academic world to moving into a different setting because my husband was serving the army as an orthopedic surgeon and he was taken away from us with a two days notice. I was left with my two little girls and, and myself working and running a unit at the NIH. And after he came back, um, it, the six months later, our lives had really changed what the perspectives had changed. Instead of focusing in an academic career, we're, we were just more focused as to what matters here. Mm. And I could get old and have 2000 publications. But when I die, none of these people will remember me. What matters is being deeply connected to those we love and having a life that honors that. So that was the big shift from going to academics to a different type of practice. And then once I began practice, the big shocker was that everything that I had learned, and I, I went through the terrific system of conventional medicine, which has solutions to fixing problems of sicknesses, diseases, but it doesn't have solutions for preventing disease or for reestablishing wellness before you get an illness. Many people came to the office looking for a medical diagnosis and they didn't have it and they were suffering. And I said, what, what is going on here? I keep sending people out and saying, you don't have disease, but yet I feel so dissatisfied in my heart that I'm here to help. And here I'm not helping people that really need help. So as it turned out, Deepak Chopra, it was 1997 and was having a mind-body medicine course and Ayurveda. 
And my husband and I decided to go and attend. We went for a week for this first experience of intense embracing of mind-body medicine. Can I, I'm just going to pause you for one second because Ayurveda is not going to be familiar to everybody. Can you give, again, just a super brief description of what Ayurveda is, and then we can jump back into your story just so that everybody can track with you? Yes, yes. This beautiful medical system that has existed in India for over 6,000 years, it looks at a spectrum of life from being very healthy to being sick. And there's many steps along the way that one goes through until we get sick. And it, it just changed the way that I thought about medicine because if this system existed and helped people for thousands of years. And a key concept was that the mind and body are connected. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Okay, going back to, your, to the class that you were taking in 1997. Yes, so I came back and I was a crazed woman. <laughs> I, truly, I truly believe I became a proselytizer for some reason. I decided this is the way. <laughs> so I began to combine these wonderful new skills of helping people along with finding always if there was a medical problem, I would address it. But if there wasn't, I would work with other systems and people would get better. You're an Ayurvedic nerd, cheerleader, big fan. Yes. So in addition to, to practicing my regular medicine, I was adding other skills to patients and other solutions to them. And the insurance company said that they would not pay me for taking time to explain things to patients. They only wanted me to deal with one problem at a time. And they only wanted to pay me a certain amount of money. And I felt constricted. I left Cuba to to get away from communism. My family suffered terribly on uh, finally being able to leave as refugees, political refugees. And we came to this country to have freedom. And all of a sudden, I was feeling the same experience that I had as a child as my parents were being followed and my father separated from the family that people were telling us what to do. And we had no rights. And I got very sick that day when the insurance com company called me and they said that if I didn't change my ways, they were going to find fault with me. Wow. And I hate bullying. I hate this. I got so sick that I almost passed out. And that inner sickness was the sign that said no more. Mm. Well, 15 years ago, I, I actually decided to leave receiving payments from health insurances for payments. And I was the only woman in my area, doctor, who did that. And my colleagues thought that it was a disaster, that it was heresy, what I was doing. And they stopped referring patients to me. I'm an endocrinologist. At that point, I depended on referrals of endocrine problems that primary care doctors identified for me to help. And I stopped receiving referrals. So I continued to be my own self, but now I was charging people for coming to visit me and they paid their fee for my visit and for my time. And my practice grew over time and continued to thrive. And I was the only person around that practiced strange integrative medicine and asked for payment at the end of the visit. And people were grateful to pay and thanked me for the visit. <laughs> it was such a counterintuitive experience because we doctors are trained to, to follow the path. 
to do what we're told to do. We don't want to shake the system. But I had no choice. I had to leave the system. And at the end of the day, now medicine has changed so much. Many people don't want to stay in the medical system as it is because it's broken. And now I see doctors that would not refer to me or were upset with me are beginning to think about how they can open their own practices and have them be concierge service practice where you pay a certain large amount of money for the doctor to be available for you all the time. So things have changed along the way, but I never let go of my inner inner guide. I listen to my values and the way that I have to live to be with integrity with myself to have dignity in my life. That's just amazing on so many levels. I just absolutely love the idea that you had years and years and years of training. I don't know that there's any other field in the U.S. that gets as many years of school and training as a doctor. And then for you to say, no, that way isn't working and I'm going to do it my way and hope for the best. You didn't know if it was actually going to work, but you just had to take that leap of faith because of, to your point, you had to be in integrity with yourself. And that took such immense courage. And I just, I really honor, and I also just want listeners to tap into, like really sit with that, that you went against what tradition says, what our entire culture says is the norm, what your field says, what your colleagues were saying, and you did it your way. And instead of getting squashed and left on the sidelines, you actually were the leader of the new path and people are slowly getting on board. And I just think that's a message that, again, I feel like we all need to just sit with for a minute to think about when we see something wrong, not to say that we need to all take on a field as large as medicine like Beatrice, but when we see something that just doesn't feel right in our world, that we don't have to say, well, it's too big for me or I, I can't do that because dot, dot, dot. Well, look at this big change that she has made for herself, for her patients, and for, I, I will say the world, because I feel like ripples of this goes out. Her patients are going to be healthy, and now who knows what they're going to be able to create in the world because they are healthy, versus when they were suffering, they probably weren't able to shine their light, weren't able to do the work in the way that they could because it wasn't a focus. It was They needed to take care of themselves. Thank you for what you have offered. And Thank so, you. yeah, so from when that you got that awful note from the insurance company until you said, that's it, I'm out, was that immediately the next week or did you take some time? I'm just curious about the actual process because that is one of those massive hell yes decisions. I know that you have a husband that was making money, so you had something to fall back on. But, you know, to walk away from your practice obviously has big implications as well. Right. So the decision when I became physically ill, which I call soul distress, because my mind was so, dis I had a sense of disgust mm. and it felt like nausea in my body. I could no longer do things as they were. And I had no idea that I could do private practice either. So I thought that I was going to leave medicine and go into art school because I've always loved art. I'm an artist on, on the side. And my husband and I had a long discussion. And at the end, I had spent my entire life training for doing this work to serve others. And it's true to myself to leave all that training behind. 
it, it would it would not honor my prior life. Mm-hmm. So how could I integrate my prior life in this change and make it something that uh, made sense? Well, first you have to come up with the plan, the logic of what you're doing. If you're going to do something like this, we're going to do a private practice. So I think it was probably four weeks after I had figured out what I was going to do that I began to send letters out. You know, we hand wrote. Oh, wow. It was really, it was slow pokes, you know, to do it. But yeah, it was a process. I had to write to all the patients and tell them, I'm sorry, I will no longer take insurance. This will be my fee. It had to be a very thoughtful letter. Yeah. Because when you have relationships with people, I felt guilty. I felt guilty and I felt ashamed that I wasn't able to be like everybody else. Sometimes we women feel shame when we're doing something that's quite righteous somehow or we interpret it in a bizarre way. Instead of saying, good for you that you're doing this, it was like, oh my God, why can't I fit in? Why Mm -hmm. can't I accept what I get given? How could it be that I can abandon patients? I could see myself being, you know, we tend to focus sometimes on our negative, in a negative way of looking at ourselves rather than seeing ourselves with greater compassion. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, because it's not something necessarily that we consider. One thing that's coming to mind when you use the words shame about not fitting in, I know when you came over from Cuba, it was a pretty hard adjustment into the, the U.S. life and even what we eat and what we do and that you weren't necessarily welcomed, that you were actually made fun of as a child. Do you think that there's any connection to, to going back to that point of not feeling that sense of belonging and that, you know, this almost triggered that same feeling again? Yes, I could see that being a possibility. I think it's very important for all of us to belong and to be part of something, be part of a larger group. And this decision sharply demarcated that I was not like everybody else. Mm that I no longer belonged to the group that was doing things correctly. Yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's an important thing that you're bringing up there, not just because it's always important to share what's true for us, but also for us to realize that as we are stepping into brave unknown territory for ourselves and potentially for the world, that, to make it easier for ourselves, it would be important to find people who are our cheerleaders, who are maybe doing things that are similar, not necessarily in the same field, but who are also taking brave steps forward so that you can connect and you can share and you can, to your sense, or to your words, belong to something. I actually created my own community. Mm. I founded an integrative medicine community here in Connecticut. And I invited chiropractors, naturopathic doctors, energy healers, allopathic people that were trained like me in the past. And I invited all of these people and we met once a month and I created a community like that, that lasted 17 years. Wow. It was called Lotus, the Center for Integrative Healing and Medicine. And we presented cases and each one of us, whether it was a naturopathic doctor presenting the case, she would say how she would look at it and how she would examine it and think about the case 
And I would bring a case and share with others how I would think about it. And so we learned from each other the different things that everybody was doing. And we created an incredible trusting community. And that became my community, my integrative medicine community in Connecticut. So so if what you're looking for is not there, then you make yeah. it. You create it until it is. And so... And now I'm I'm trying to do something different that this later age of my life, you know, I'm now going from from the small space to the bigger space. That is just amazing. That's not just I'm going to go get some friends together, but I am going to create this spectacular practice where we can all help each other and learn from each other. And so your practices, I'm sure, got that much better as well because you got all of these other areas of expertise from each other. So kudos to you. I mean, talk about a trailblazer. I'm going to give you the the big t-shirt with a big T on the front, and you're going to just lead the parade for us. I am visualizing that. I'm liking it. Awesome. So I don't necessarily want to focus on the bad things. And at the same point, I do want to acknowledge that it's not all always, you know, rainbows and butterflies, and you set up the community and you went on your way and people came back and it was fabulous. But you did mention the emotional challenges that you had to get through. Was there anything that comes to mind as the number one challenge that you had to face in creating this new path? Physicians were trained in a particular way that gives mindsets to us doctors that are different. And I, I felt that I was really breaking away from the traditions that I had been raised to, to show and to come forth. And I viewed my actions at some level as being very rebellious. And so there were two parts of me. There was the part of me that said, hell yes, I'm doing this. And then the the other part of me that, of course, was more scared and more traditional and more stick, I would say, in a different sense that wanted to fit in, wanted to be liked, didn't want to be criticized. And I think a, a very central component of this was slowly working through my mindsets and rethinking the stories that created those mindsets and recreating new stories that made more sense with a more adult-wise perspective of the circumstances that lead us to do things at times that are unexpected. Each one of us have our reasons. I used to think I, as a doctor, cannot receive payments from patients. Now I think I provide value for patients and I deserve, just like anybody else that has a business, to receive payment for the service that I offer. That would be a different mindset altogether, right? Because one is I don't, I, I function from this very tight system and therefore I do not allow myself to be different. Another way is I used to think that only Western medicine was the right type of medicine. And within Western medicine, there were only very few options to offer patients. Now I think 
that there's multiple solutions to a problem and that there's not one solution that is right and that there's always miracles that can happen and changes that can happen when we open our minds to that. I used to think that if I didn't belong to a large group that accepted me, I wasn't enough. Now I think that I can create changes in the world and I have helped thousands of patients and my work matters and I'm, I'm a worthy human and that I don't need to fit into other, other people's boxes to feel that my work is good or to feel that I'm enough. Thank you for sharing all of that. Not only is it important because we all have stories like this, I'm curious about the actual process that you went through to shift from one mindset to the other. It's one thing to write it down and say, here's my new belief, and it's another to actually fully integrate it into your life. Well, these things come slowly. You know, you can't you can't sit down and say, this is how I think now, and so it shall be. <laughs> you can't? Come on. No. I, Where's I think the easy button? There are no easy buttons. You really have to embody these things. So if you're creating a new story, you really have to physically feel it. And so, like, for example, the idea of raising fees, okay? So in reality, businesses have to raise fees because expenses change and things happen. But if you always feel guilty about the fact that you're charging people and you should be providing service and not charging people and accepting what insurance gives you, it makes it very difficult to raise fees when you have to raise fees. So I talked to that inner child of mine that or inner younger doctor of mine with with her mentality and said and said well you know that makes sense what you're saying is makes sense based on your upbringing but right now we're in a business and I'm a businesswoman and I'm running this business and this is the decisions that we're going to make right now and I trust that my decisions will serve all of us even you inside that is worried that I'm doing the wrong thing. This is not a resolved issue. You know, it's, it's, it's a constant negotiations and they're always there. They don't go away. <laughs> you know, these inner parts of us, you just have to be receptive, receptive to when, when they start to create anxiety and angst and you have to reach out and say, yes, I know. I know you're there. I know you're worried. Don't worry about it. Go play. I'm going to take care of this now. But it's a process. We're works in process, all of us. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I, I follow a very similar thing. And so maybe our little girls can go off and play because I often say, go. yeah, same thing. Go to the beach, jump around, have fun. I'll take care of it. So the work that Beatrice is referencing sounds like internal family systems. And I know that you talk about that in your book. It's actually the therapy that I I used for years it's different. It is body-based. It's definitely something I think is valuable to explore, especially for those of us who are overthinkers, where we can get stuck in our head. This gets us out of our head and truly into our body to feel all the different things that are going on. I'm curious, for somebody that's such a visionary, what's next for you? Well, I just published a book because I thought I was going to die during COVID. And I decided, if I'm going to die, what would I regret? 
And that was that I didn't do enough. And it would be such a shame to die and lose all of this information that's in my head. So I decided to write Mind Body Secrets as an antidote to that so that I could help people over time as a guide to wellness. But it starts with the mind, because if you don't understand the mind and how your mind works, you can't really take care of your body. And then you have to know your body well to take care of it. And then lastly, you have to understand how important it is, the connections that we have, the friendships, the the people that give soulfulness to our lives, our experiences, how important having gratitude in our lives is, and and being aware of moments of awe and grace that make our being alive so special. So I wanted to write this book, and I did. It came out last month, and... It was wonderful. It became a number one bestseller. And why I care about this is that I wanted to reach a lot of people. This book is meant to help people and to prevent and reverse diseases. So that's my my first thing. And my second thing is that now that I'm older, I want to help other women doctors learn how to practice medicine like I did. I think I could help people understand better how to take care of humans, each other with a more holistic approach. And this is not taught in medical school. And I'm not at a big integrative medicine center, but I feel that I have a lot of expertise and wisdom to give forth and to try to change healthcare by by helping the healers, the doctors themselves, do things a little bit differently and become empowered to understand that They don't always have to follow the old system. There's other ways of doing our work that can be very empowering and and can really transform people's lives. So I want to help other doctors do that. I'm creating a course to to my foundations of mind-body medicine course will occur, and I'm inviting women doctors. I don't know who's going to come, but I'm very excited about it, and it'll offer just how I take care of patients. I will have cases, we'll talk mind-body principles, and we'll also talk about how we women think about each other. How do we think about our own identity as people that are physicians? What does that mean? We that are mothers, givers of life, that we help others when they're sick and have been so treated differently because we're women in the medical system. How can we bring all of those skills together to provide better health care? And again, it you know, if I teach 10 and 10 begin to practice differently, and that changes. Things begin to change, as you said, we're ripples. Each one of us is very powerful. I'm so excited for this next chapter. Congratulations to be a, a number one best-selling author is not easy, especially in that field. I think there's a lot of health books. And so to to get to be a number one health book is so exciting because it means that your work is getting out into the world. And so to, you know, probably be doing book promotions, still maybe seeing patients and now have this course, you're juggling a lot. And yet I just get this energy of, I've got things to do in the world. I'm not going to just sit back and say, well, I don't have enough time. It's I'm going to figure this out so that I can get out there and I can make that difference. And I, I just think that's magnificent. Beatrice looks younger than me, and yet she is a bit older than me. I don't think so. 
Yeah, I think so. You'll have to wait and see when the video gets released. But she looks spectacular and she is in her 60s and she's starting this next chapter. So I also want to not just use her as an inspiration for your, your hell yes life and that you can do it, but you can do it at any age. She's starting a whole new idea and a whole new path in her 60s. It's not, well, it's too late. I should start thinking about retirement. It's, oh, no, I'm just getting started. It's the energy I feel almost. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, I. we each have incredible spirit energy inside of us. And sometimes it gets stunted away by things that happen to us that we become invisible. We become lonely or isolated. But I have very little time left. You know, time is time is precious. What is our lives but a moment in a journey? And I'm here for a reason. And I don't wanna I don't wanna miss my chance. I I really feel that as long as I can I can help and as long as I can express myself, it feels good. It feels good inside. And I'm I'm grateful that my mind is still functioning and that my body is working and and that I can be alive and and express with the fullness of who I'm meant to be. Woohoo! Yes, to you being the fullness of who you are meant to be. And just <laughs> shining that light. I'm picturing you back leading the parade again. Ta-da! <laughs> Woohoo! Look at those arms! I need to know what your workout is. So talking to those people who are listening, who have a big vision that goes against the norm, that goes against tradition, what one piece of advice do you want to give them? You have to know your why. I think the why is very important. Why are you doing this? From which part of you is that big thing that you want to do coming from? Is it coming from a place of your soul, your inner being? Is it is coming from a place where you want to serve and make a difference in whichever way you want to do it? Like Zaya, you're doing it, doing these beautiful podcasts because you're educating women in different ways and men, whoever listens to this, but you're educating people about different ideas and different things. So you're functioning on, you're creating something that is gives gives inner strength to your being. You're being on purpose. So if you're doing something for that reason, then it's going to work out because you're going to figure it out how to solve it. There's so many things that I have learned that I never knew before, how to run courses online, how to have an online business. We can learn these things. And I was clueless, entirely clueless about this. So we can, we're capable of learning all sorts of things. And that's, that's important not to be afraid, to be curious as to how you can, how, how you can, continue to move forward it's a little step at a time view challenges as opportunities for growth to be curious and when things don't go the right way learn why they didn't rather than being negative towards yourself and being held back from moving forwards on the other hand if the vision has to do with ego gratification that that might be more difficult and less satisfying at the end. So that's why we have to know our why. Where is it coming? Perfect. And my final question, which I have in every episode, is women are often told to be humble, to 
not really talk much about what they've accomplished. And so this is your chance to brag, get your brag on and share. Well, I'd like to say that we've been taught the wrong way. We need to talk about who we are and what we do. And we need to be proud of what we're doing. And that requires that we be visible, that we, we be willing to be seen as imperfect as we might be. We might be willing to be heard, even if we have accents or all sorts of negative things that we think about ourselves. I, I think, I think that I have accomplished a lot of things in my life because I have overcome a lot of imperfections and I have overcome a lot of inner criticism that was created by other people outside of us. Some of your fears have to do with what other people gave you. They're not your fears. They're not your life. We create our lives, what we do. And whatever we do, if it's heartful and mindful, it matters. And that's what my work has been about my entire life. Thank you for that. Yeah, and I agree that we need to change it. So that's why in every episode, I ask the guest to brag. Because enough of this hiding and being quiet and being humble, you know, you're leading a parade and everyone's going to have a megaphone and we're going to walk down the street and scream out, here's who I am, here's what I've done, and I'm proud of who I am. So we're going to shift that. I hope so. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Zaya. So there you have it. Beatrice just shared with you how she escaped a confining situation, made her own unique path, and led the way for others. Don't forget, I want to talk to you. I want to understand your challenges, and I want to know how I can help. Please send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. On Instagram, I'm at your hell yes life. And on Facebook, it's Zaya B. If you want more wisdom from Beatrice and other guests, join the Your Hell Yes Life Facebook group. I post extra content from the guests there, and you can directly interact with them, with me, and with our amazing community. Stay brave and true to your hell yes.